0: I wonder how many of you would be happy if you were given for free a home that was big enough for you and your family uh, by the shores. Lake Michigan, I guess, would be by the shore around here uh, that you can go to and just be spend time with your family. I mean, you would enjoy a house by the shore. Let me see your hand. Uh, most of us would, you know, a little home there that way for the whole family. Now I want to show you a picture. How many of you would like it? If that was the f- house that you were given. Some of you say, oh, I would still take it. Well, we're going to pray for you at the end of this meeting. <laughs> All of a sudden, you realize, well, that's not so secure, is it? I want to talk to you today as we continue our series, uh, the, uh, Kingdom Principles, through our walk through the Gospel of Matthew. I want to talk to you today about one of the most solemn words ever spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're up to chapter 7, and uh, we're going to be looking at verse 21. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, come on, say therefore with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation On the rock. But everyone, come on, say everyone with me. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great Crash. Let's pray, Father. We come before you this morning, and I ask right now. We've been we were singing about it earlier about the the Spirit of the Lord coming and moving in a powerful way, and we invited your presence here, God. Now, again, we continue to to look to you that the Spirit of the Lord would guide me in everything that I say and everything that I do, Father, in this message that you have given me. I pray for all of us here in this room and all that will be watching uh, online. God, I pray that every single one of us would be given an ear to hear, that the Spirit of God would awaken us, not just mentally, but more importantly, spiritually, to the truth of this word, Father, so that it will accomplish all that you set it out to do in all of our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone say with me, Amen and amen. Now, in verses previous to our text, Jesus had been teaching his disciples. That you can identify someone by their fruit, by their lifestyle. Pastor Joey, a couple of weeks ago, preached off of that message, off of that text. So I want to encourage you, if you didn't get to listen to that one, you can uh, go back online to our website, our social media pages, and you can listen to that message uh, about the the way that we can identify somebody as far as whether they are of, of. a, a, a disciple of Christ, where they're living the lifestyle that Christ desired, meaning bearing fruit. The the lifestyle really speaks to people long before your words do. Now, now the Lord actually takes that, in my opinion, a step further. For as we have just read. Jesus said something so solemn, so powerful. He said, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter into heaven. Not everyone, Jesus, who calls me Lord will enter into heaven. He said, only those who do God's will will enter into heaven. And then he goes on, To give the illustration, he says that on that day, now that day, when you see that uh, recorded there in your Bible, uh, that day is uh, speaking of judgment day. You know, the day, there is going to be a day when all that we know in this life is going to be done and over with, and every single person will stand before God, and all of us are going to be judged by God by how we've lived while we were on this earth. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all—come on, say all with me—all—all. All appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Every single one of us is going to stand before God one day and you will have to answer to God. You will be judged by God by how you have lived your life here on the earth. That is a waiting All of us. And Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord in this life is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Which I find so fascinating. That means I can sing all the right songs and say all the right things and call Jesus, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. And yet on that day, I will still be condemned by the Lord. And he tells us why in this text. He said, because I never knew you. And because I never knew you, I didn't have this intimate relationship with you. Now, somebody would say, but how could somebody do all the things that they did? I mean, they, they did good things here. I mean, look, look at it. Uh, they, they, they prophesied in the name of the Lord, which means to foretell the future in the name of the Lord. They cast out demons, demonic spirits in the name of Jesus. Uh, they, uh, they, they did miracles in the name of the Lord. You can say all the right things. You can even do good things. And still be condemned by Jesus when you stand before him. Solemn, isn't it? I understand why it's quiet here right now. (laughs) Not only that, think about the Lord called that person an evildoer. Because he never knew them. And that's why in, in the next verse... In verse 24, uh, could you put verse 24 back up on the screen, guys? I want you to, you to see this. You see that first word? What's the first word? Therefore. Right? So when you see the word therefore, it means what I'm about to say is connected to what I've just said. So Jesus said, only he who does the will of my father will enter the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're not doing the will of my father, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, in other words, I'm now connecting what I'm about to say to what I just said. And so this illustration of the two builders and the two houses is connected to what Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he reveals in this illustration that there are two types of buildings and two types of builders. The foolish builders built their houses on sand, unstable, an unstable foundation. And the wise builders built their house on rock, a solid foundation. Now notice the storms came to both houses those that are built on sand, as well as those who are built on rock, on a solid foundation. The ones that were built on sand, well, the storm uh, ultimately wreaked havoc with the house because it undermined the foundation and thus the house collapsed and was destroyed, Jesus said. But the house that's built on the rock is able to weather. storms because it was built on a solid foundation now let me make the connection for all of us here today we are all builders every single one of us we are all building our life We are all making decisions that are structuring and building this life that we have. And if we follow the analogy and illustration that the Lord gave, there are only two types of builders, which means you and I will fall into one of those two categories. Either we will be foolish builders or we will be wise builders. There is no other middle ground. There's no third choice. You're either a wise builder or you're a foolish builder. And when we build on sand, we become a foolish builder. But when we build on rock or what I've titled this message, a solid foundation, we become a wise builder. You see? Now, our text helps us to understand the importance of making sure that you and i are building our lives our house on a solid foundation notice that a solid foundation secures our present and it also secures our future it secures our present because our home, our life, when our life is built and structured on the, on the rock, on the solid foundation, whatever that is, and we're going to get into that, then we are able to weather the storms of life. Everybody experiences storms. Storms are difficulties, hardships things that happen that you did not expect every single life on this earth experiences storms you can't avoid them they are part of life and if you build your your life on the solid foundation well you'll be able to weather the storms of life but if we're foolish and build on sand, something that's unstable, then when the storms come, our life will collapse. A solid foundation secures our future because notice Jesus said the wise builders built on the solid foundation and they're the ones that do the will of God. They're the ones that gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Whereas the foolish builders, they are structuring their life and building their life on things that do not secure eternity, their future. We can do all the good things. Notice, Jesus did not identify what seems on the, on the surface to be something bad. The people he's talking about, they cast out Demons. They did miracles. They performed all prophetic words. And yet they will, in the end, they will call evildoers by the Lord and they were condemned for all eternity. Which teaches me this. We can do a lot of good things and still be lost for eternity. You can say all the right words and still be lost for all eternity. You see, Eternity and its security in eternity is not conditioned upon what you say. Are you following me? It's not conditioned upon what you do. When you, when you are a foolish builder, you think if I just say the right things, if I'm a good person, that I'm always saying the right things, then I'm going to gain interest into heaven when my time comes to leave this earth. If I can just live my life and do good things on the earth, if I can help people, if I can structure my life so that I, I, I'm good in, in my family structure, I'm good at my job, I'm good at helping people in the community. If I live my life doing good things, then when the time comes I could enter into heaven but you can do all good things and still hear the Lord say to you get away from the evildoer solemn words you see you know, wise builders they build their life on a rock a solid foundation So what is this solid foundation? What Jesus told us, he said, you have to be doing the will of God. Now somebody, just a glance of that would say, but isn't prophesying in Jesus' name doing God's will? Isn't casting out demons God's will? Isn't doing miracles in Jesus' name God's will? Listen, Jesus was very specific here now because he followed it up by saying, I never knew you. In other words, Jesus was indicating to you and I to do the will of God means you have to know Jesus Christ. Doing God's will is knowing Jesus Christ. We have a word that we use called the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel simply means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And typically when people talk about the gospel, the good news, they talk about the fact that Jesus Christ, God's son, was sent to this earth by the Father who loved us so much. He sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross so that your sins, our sins, could be forgiven. So that we can know what it is to have eternal life eternal life destiny in heaven but that is not the gospel now before you think that I'm speaking blasphemy hear me out yes jesus christ died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven through his sacrifice the blood that he spilt on that cross No problem there. I agree 100% on that. But here's where we fall short of the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven so that you could know him. In other words, Jesus Christ did not die on the cross just so that your sins could be forgiven. That wasn't his motive. That wasn't why he did it. He he knew what was blocking our relationship with God was our sins. So in order to establish that relationship, in order to give an opportunity for that relationship, the sin factor had to get dealt with. God removed sin from our life so that we might know him. Why is it, do you think, that when Jesus died on the cross, when he breathed his last, we find in the Gospels that one of the first things that happened was in the temple, the veil that separated God from his people was torn from top to bottom. In other words... Prior to Jesus' sacrifice, the veil separated God from his people. We could not experience God. We could not know God. We could not have that relationship with God. Only one person, the high priest, was allowed, and only once a year, to go in behind the veil. But when Jesus breathed his last, the veil in the temple suddenly was torn from top to bottom, signifying that now there is no barrier between man and God, that through the blood of Christ now, we can establish and have a vital living relationship with the God who loves us, with Jesus Christ, his Son. You see? That's what the gospel is all about. And so here's our kingdom principle that we need to structure our life on, or to use the word for today, that we need to make sure we're building our life on. And that is this. Listen, intimacy with Christ is the will of God intimacy with Christ is the will of God. A lot of Christians often ask, Pastor, how do I know what the will of God is? Here it is, pure and simple. Know Jesus Christ. Build a relationship with him. He died so that you might have that intimate relationship with him. That is is the will of God. But, 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 but what should I do? What is God's will? Should, is it God's will for me to missionary, a teacher? To, to I, I want to find out what God's will is. Here is God's will. Have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have that, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what religion you're a part of, that will not gain you entrance into heaven. It doesn't matter what good things you are participating in. That will not gain you entrance into heaven. Jesus Christ did not die for those things. He died so that you and I can have a relationship with him. And I have to use that word, that intimate relationship with him. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be your BFF. Jesus wants that relationship. With you and I. Now, foolish builders who build their house on a sand or unstable, they are so busy doing good things, but yet they don't know God. One of the greatest dangers Christians can fall into is that you get so busy doing things for God, you have no time for God. You know, like the father who is so busy working two and three jobs for his family's future that he has no time to spend with his family. And we reverse that process where we can even get busy. I'm I'm I'm, I'm ushering over here, and then I'm working with the youth on Thursday night, and yeah, on Saturday, I'm coming out, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing stuff in the home, and then I'm doing stuff with my community. Man, I'm busy for Jesus. When was the last time you spent time alone with Jesus? Mm -hmm. This is what Jesus said. You're an evildoer. I never knew you. But I did all these things. It doesn't matter to me. I don't need you to do all that. I can get the angels to do that. I didn't die on the cross so that you can run around and do all that for me. I died on the cross so that you can know me. You see? The relationship is what I'm after. I mean, let, let's be frank. The wives would know more than anything else. Come on, wives. If, if you love your husband, but you never saw him because he was so busy working, at, at some point you realize, dude, I don't care about how much money you make. What does it matter if you make all this money, but we never see you? We never talk to you. You have no time for your family. What does that matter? More relationships... Are, are, are dying because we have no time just to sit and talk and be with one another. Spiritually speaking, we need to make sure that we guard a relationship with Jesus Christ because wise builders build their house, their life On this solid foundation, I will be intimate with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, it's because when you are keeping that relationship tight between you and Jesus, then what he tells you to do, you do. Then what he tells you to say, you say. See, then the the good things that you can get involved in mean something because they flow not from you building your own life. Because, listen, you can do a lot of things for God, but the truth of the matter is they're not for God. They're for you. Because if they were for God, you would go to God first. Right? Again. I use the illustration of husband and wives and of wife's this because it's the husbands, us guys, that we are usually the guys that are the biggest copers. We're the most guilty of stuff like this. Like, I can do a lot of things for my wife and yet not love my wife. Yeah. Oh, I knew it would get quiet here. I'm talking to some husbands here. If you talk to your wife, she'll tell you, what I want is you. What I want is the relationship with you, not the falter. Because what does it matter if you buy me a car? What does it matter if you fill my house with good things, but I don't have you in the end? And there are times where we want to substitute Our relationship with works. Thinking, if I just do enough, God will be pleased. Are you hearing my heart this morning? Are you hearing the heart of God, more importantly? That what he is after is your heart, not your hands. You see? That's the kingdom principle. Intimacy with Christ. That is the will of God. This is what secures our present. What do I mean by that? Listen, if I'm a foolish builder and I'm busy doing a lot of things for God, here's the subtle lie that fills my heart without me even knowing it. Because I'm doing all these things for God, God will protect me from storms. I mean, why should something happen, bad happen to me? After all, look at all I'm doing for God. And then you'll know that you're falling into that trap if you get angry at God when storms come. Because then you respond, I can't believe it. I can't believe they stole my car. I can't believe I lost my job. After all the things I'm doing for you, God, why did you let this happen? See, that's the foolish builder. What you're telling God is, my works should be sufficient for you to keep the storms away. That's the foolish builders. And so what happens is when you have that kind of a spirit and the storms come, then you get angry at God and Jesus the is the collapse. Your whole life falls apart because you deem God unworthy. Now, it was all for nothing, everything that I did, because look, this still happened. Are you following along with that? See, but when you're when you're wise, bully and you realize I have my relationship with God, then you realize that I'm living by this principle. It secures my my present. My I can weather the storms. Why? 2 Timothy one twelve. Listen to what Paul said. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I. No, come on, say that with me. I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. See, the Apostle Paul said, I got a lot of sufferings that are going on because I'm a believer, but I know Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ. There's an intimate factor in my relationship with Christ, and that has given me this solid foundation so that I can weather every storm. Why? Because I know he's able to keep me until that day, no matter what happens, so that when I stand before him, I don't have to be ashamed. We're talking about intimacy with Christ that is the very will of God. And that's what it means to build on a solid foundation. Now, on a practical note, let me just take two minutes to talk about what it looks like. Because I find that a lot of people often get intimidated with this word intimacy. Uh, They're not sure how that all plays out in their Christianity. Intimacy involves a relationship, right, where there's an exchange of hearts. God's heart to your heart. Now, how does God exchange his heart? Well, God speaks to you through his word. You'll never be intimate with God If you're living apart from his word, this is how he talks to you more often than not. So this, if you want to have intimacy with God, you got to talk, allow him to talk to you, right? Also, the Bible teaches us, Jesus said my father is going to send you the Holy Spirit who will be in you. And he will show you, teach you all things. So you have the word of God and you have the spirit of God that dwells within. Both of these converse with your soul. Both of them speak into your life, you see. So that's Christ speaking to you. And then there is you speaking to Christ. Now, here's where oftentimes Christians get tripped up. They think that speaking with Christ is merely just prayer. Well, I'm just going to bring all of my, you know, prayers, all my need before him. And once I'm done giving God and praying for all my needs, I got nothing else to say. Right? I mean, I'm done. I, but see, remember, we're talking about an intimate relationship. If I only tell my wife, well, honey, here's the deal. I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell it to you two times a day, three times a day, four times a day. But this is all I need to say, because after that, I'm done. I love you. Morning, afternoon, honey, I love you. At night, before I go to bed, honey, I love you. Now, if I do that, and that's all I say to her, I'd be coming to church with a black eye. (laughs) She don't want to hear that. She wants to talk. She wants to converse. She wants me to talk to her. That scares guys. Right? On average, most men speak 2,500 words in a day. On average, most women speak 20,000 words in a day. And the thing is, when you get married, your wife she only spends like a thousand words during the day because she's holding up 19,000 for when you get home (laughs) because she wants to talk. And most guys are like, I done shot 2,000 over at the job. I got nothing. (laughs) And if you are a husband, you know, that's what gets you into trouble. Well, relationship-wise, we've got to learn to converse with the Lord. He wants to hear your day, your heart. He wants to hear what you like, what you don't like. Conversation. If you're taking notes, write this down. The practice of the presence of God. That is a very small, thin book. It's a classic. It was is written by a man named Brother Lawrence. The Practice of the Presence of God. One of the things he says, um, it's a great book. Here's just one thing that he says from there. There is no sweeter manner of living in the world than continuous communion with God. He talked to God about everything. While well, he was doing the dishes, he's talking to God about doing the dishes. He conversed with God. He reminds me in the Bible of a man named Enoch. Enoch. In the the Old Testament, the Bible says Enoch walked with God, and then he was not, for God took him. Now, what does it mean to walk with God? It means he had a relationship with God. Enoch's relationship with God was such that he walked and talked with God to such a degree that God said, I can't leave you on the earth any longer. You're coming right up to heaven. I need you in heaven. That was how intimate his relationship with Enoch was. Brothers and sisters, while we have breath and while we walk on this earth, what I'm getting at is this God wants to remind all of us here today I surrendered my life on the cross, my blood was spilt there, not just for the forgiveness of your sin. It was done so that your sins could be forgiven so that you and I can have an intimate relationship because that is the will of my Father in heaven. Pastor Jason, if you would come, please, with the worship team. Intimacy with Christ is the will of God. And you and I, Need to structure our lives around us. I know that you know this, but it's important that we hear it again. We we gotta make sure that we guard our relationship with God. That we are working on our relationship with God. We say, well, but 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 I don't know how it's not easy. It's no it's no different than than a marriage. And you have to work in a marriage right? You have to work at your relationship. It doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about that. You have to be intentional about blocking that time and being alone with your spouse and doing things with your spouse. Same thing goes with our relationship with God. You got to be intentional. If you don't make time intentionally for God, then you'll never spend time with God because we are constantly being pulled and drawn in so many directions, aren't we? We're so busy with life and doing things, and we get distracted so easily. We have to guard against all of that and said every day I want to make sure that I spend time alone with God, allowing him to talk to me, me talking to him. And then throughout the course of the day, I don't want to forget God once I've had my time alone with him. I want to continue to converse with him. I want to practice his presence, as Brother Lawrence called it. I want to be able to converse with him during the course of the day about so many different things. Let him hear my heart. And that the Spirit of the Lord will give me an ear to hear God's heart as he talks back to me. That is building our life on a solid foundation. Stand with me.